Well, welcome here this morning. Thanks for being here. Um, It's an exciting day. It's Valentine's Day, uh, and love is in the air, right? And you know what else is in the air? This cold that everyone has. I mean, nothing says Valentine's Day like head congestion and uh, and coughing, right? Well, it's Valentine's this year, at least in our household it is. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful time of year, though. Um, when we get to focus on on love, and and I realize it might be a little bit cliche, right, uh, to to preach on love on Valentine's Day, and yet, what what better day to do that? And so today, here's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be quite simple um, in nature. We're gonna we're gonna look at at, at what. The Bible has to say about love. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to a number of passage passages, and we're gonna allow God's word just to kind of dictate the the message and the flow today. I'm not gonna try to perform or or do a bunch of extra things other than just allow us to hear, hopefully today with new ears, God's message about love that that, that He's written down for us in Scripture. And uh, and so today, as we um, go kind of through a survey of, of some of the, the primary passages on love in Scripture, many of them will be familiar to us already. Many of them uh, you might be able to quote. But I'll invite you this morning, as, as I have been over this, the course of this past week, just to listen to them with new ears, uh, to hear the beautiful message that God has uh, here in Scripture about his love and how it compels us to love in the world around us. I invite you this morning, um, let's go ahead and wh- whatever's more comfortable for you, go ahead and slouch down a little lower in your seat or sit up a little straighter, whichever one you're, I'm a sloucher, so I'm going to slouch a little lower today. I, I say that to say, get comfortable. Take a deep breath. Let out any of the stress and the, and the stuff that we came in with, because today we just have a simple and beautiful opportunity to listen to what God has to say on the subject of love. So, so make yourself at home. Get comfortable. A few deep breaths. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you for this day and this time. We thank you for an opportunity to uh, look into your word and to hear what you have to say about love, to see how you have demonstrated love and you have invited us into a life of love. So, Father, will you speak to us this morning as we listen? In Jesus' name, amen. John 3.16 is a familiar passage to to many of us. Um, It's one that some of us could, could quote. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we begin with um, just a, a pinnacle passage on the subject of love, saying that, that God's love is the reason Jesus came to earth and gave us hope. You know, I, I love in this passage an opportunity to reflect on how much of God's love is shown and how little of our righteousness or our participation is found in the passage. In fact, it says that God came and sent his son, Jesus came, that that should we believe in him, we can have hope of eternal life. And we're going to talk a lot more about this, but but for God to love so deeply that, that he chooses to accomplish for us what we couldn't accomplish. I've often, in fact, wondered, why is it that God chose the plan of salvation that he did? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Couldn't it have been planned and accomplished in, in another way? You know, maybe. But, but here's what I see in the way God did accomplish salvation through Jesus Christ. He chose the plan that required the most of himself and the least of us. 
He chose the plan in which he was able to come and in love give a gift that we couldn't accomplish in and of ourselves. I see in the plan uh, and, and in the story of Jesus a beautiful love story in which God says, I want you to know how deeply I love you by seeing what I would do for you. And so he chose to sacrifice to give us hope. That's the love that we speak of this morning. That's God's love. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, it says this. Speaking of of God's love for us, uh, Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death uh, all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This passage gives me goosebumps. I've heard it plenty of times, and yet when I, when I listen to how it builds and grows, he, he asks the question at the beginning, who could separate us from the love of Christ? And, and could hardship or persecution or, or getting passed over for that promotion at work, could it be that person who, who treated me so harshly? And, and these are all things in our lives that can allow us to feel separate from God, feel separate from his love, the things that distract, the persecution and the things that try to draw us from God. And he asks these questions, what could separate us from the love of God? Could these things separate us from the love of God? And his answer to his own question is this. He says, we are more than conquerors, and in verse 38, I am, I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, present or future, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's found in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we, as we try to just listen to, to God's word through new ears, as we try to let it sink in, I, I, I want you to resonate with that. I want you to sit for just a moment in this realization that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I want you to take a minute not to think of the people next to you, but I want you to think of you yourself. And I want you to hear clearly the words that God speaks today. As he says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I think that's beautiful. And I know that we live in a culture in which we desperately need to be loved and affirmed. And, and, and to hear these words this morning, I hope brings a little peace in our lives, knowing that no matter what I've faced, no matter what I've done, nothing separates me from God's love. I want us to know this morning that God loves us. And yet I don't want to cheapen it to the extent that we can't ask questions that we can't struggle with that. If you're anything like me, I think most of us are this way, uh, there's times that we feel unlovable. So I want you to to take in uh, this message. If it makes sense or if you're struggling with it, I, I just invite you to take in those words. Nothing can separate you 
from the love of God. You see, here's the incredible thing. We often, uh, we often get backwards the way God's love and salvation and, and hope works and that um, we don't pray that God would accept sinners because that's what God has done. Right on, on the on the on the cross, he said, "This is so that anyone can come to me." We don't pray that God would accept sinners. Instead, we pray that sinners would accept God, because God has offered a loving gift that allows us, me, sinners, uh, to 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 accept the gift and the grace that's been given Him. In in First John chapter four. Speaks of love. First John chapter four and verse eight. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We begin to make a shift in these passages that that God's love has an impact in our lives that compels us to live differently, to live lovingly. And 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 here's what blows me away in 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 this passage. Um Whoever does not love does not know God. And there's a beautiful, there's a powerful um, uh, reality in these words in that as I love, as I learn to love, as I learn to live a life of love, I come to know God more deeply. I come to know God in new ways. If I have no love, then I don't know God who is love. And so as I learn to live a life of love, I come to know God in newer, in, in deeper ways. And so, and so we, we begin to ask ourselves, so what does it look like then to live this life of love? If you were here maybe four weeks ago or so, uh, we, we were in Luke 7 where um, Jesus um, speaks of loving your enemies and praying for those who persecuted you, right? And how hard is that? It's like, how do I, how do I love them? And we spoke that week a little bit about what is love? What does it mean? And how in the English language, um, we, we are, I think, limited in our capacity and understanding of what love is by the fact that there's only one word for love. And so we love ice cream and we love our spouse, right? But those are two drastically different things, right? Um, it, so we just have this one word for love. And we, and we spoke a little bit about that in the Greek, there was four words for love. There was eros, storge, phileo, and agape. And in Scripture, um, uh, the, the authors used two of those different words, phileo, which was uh, an, uh, an affection, a desire to be in friendship, and agape is, what was, is what's used most commonly in Scripture. And the word agape, which is used in, in all the passages that we're going to look at and love today, the, the Greek word that, that was written here is agape. And agape is an unconditional, deliberate act of love. Agape means this unconditional, deliberate act of our will. It's not a feeling that comes and goes. The love that we're reading about today is an unconditional act of love. And so as we read of God who unconditionally 
loved the world that it propelled him into an action of sending his son. That's the, that's the love. That's the agape that we're talking about here this morning. Who was it? Was it DC Talk that got it right years ago? Love is a verb, right? Uh, because truly, in the Greek, uh, it, it didn't speak of a feeling like we so often speak of love. It spoke of, of a decision, an act of the will that accomplishes something in and around us. Okay, so that's that's the kind of love that we're talking about today. And, and so it, it says the passage we were just in there in First John uh, it says, if you don't love, then you don't know God because God is love. But it, it doesn't speak of a feeling. It's not if you don't feel love. It, no, it says if you don't learn to live love, then you don't know God because God is love and, and God is acting in this world through us and around us in love. As we engage love, as we live lives of love, we come to know God more deeply. And I'm moved by that. I think it's just incredibly beautiful. And so God's love then, and, and understanding how God has unconditionally loved, and it bore a, a, an, an action to send Jesus that gave us hope, then compels us to love. In Matthew chapter 22, um, we, we've, been, we've been in the Gospel of Luke recently, a lot of narrative, a lot of story of Jesus and his life and, and how he interacted. And here in Matthew 22, Jesus is challenged on the subject of love. And we're going to listen to his words on it. It says in Matthew 22, uh, verse 34, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Now let me pause before we hear the question. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the rulers of the Jewish people, and, um, and they are quite offended by Jesus and uh, the way he teaches and what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, they are uh, threatened by the fact that they are going to lose their power in society should Jesus truly be the king who has come to save his people. There's a lot going on here. And so um, continually in the Gospels, we read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees working against Jesus. They're trying to trap him, trap him in his words. They're trying uh, to tear him down. And in this case, uh, Jesus has silenced the Sadducees. He, he outwitted them or their questions didn't live up. And so now the Pharisees are taking their turn. And they're going to try to trick Jesus into a wrong answer. They're going to try to get him to say something that's that's inappropriate and wrong. So they ask this question in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And, and their question, of course, anything he answers is going to be wrong, right? Because all the law is important. And, and that's, that's going to be their, their conclusion. That's, that's where they want to trap him. But Jesus replied, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Jesus answers them saying, all of those books, the 44 books of the Old Testament, the two-thirds of your Bible, right? All of that. He says, you can sum up all those laws and all that understanding in this simple understanding. Love God and love people. He says, and again, we're talking about an action. He says, if you would live out a life of love for God, and if you would live lovingly with the people you come in contact with, 
then you would be doing exactly what all those laws were intended to create in the Israelite culture. And so, so Jesus uh, breaks it down. I love it. I love it when Scripture gets simple. Um, I'm a simple person. I, I, I love it uh, the way Jesus uh, takes uh, all of that text and all of that law, and he, he invites us, just focus on this. Love God and love people. And you got it. That's what, that's what the God who has lovingly acted in our lives invites us to do. Live a life of love towards God and towards the people around you. And, and this is challenging. Let's, let's not cheapen it to think that it's easy to love people around us. The last passage we're going to look at today is um, kind of the pinnacle passage on love. This is the, the love chapter. It's 1 Corinthians 13. And... Um, and I have asked every every month or so we we try to get an expert in on a subject, you know. Um, and uh, and I have asked an expert in love to come and talk in this passage today. Uh, it's my wife Sarah. Now um, she she didn't want me to introduce it that way, but I I, I felt like I needed to because um, I was about to be sarcastic. I felt like I needed to because uh, truly um, we learn love in the lives of people around us. And uh, no one has taught me more about love and what it looks like and how it plays out than my wife. And, uh, and so, Sarah, I, I, wa- <laughs> I wanted you, um, I, I'm excited uh, that, that you can share this morning a little bit about First Corinthians and love with us as well. Um, I, I have to say that as a mom, when I hear love expert or expert on love, I think it's little trolls on mm-hmm. Frozen because those are, those are the kinds of things I spend my, my time doing watching Disney movies. Um, but thanks. I love you too. <laughs> I, I want to read this passage. The first part, um, the first three verses are, are not quite as well known as the other verses, but it goes like this. If I speak in tongues of men and angels... But have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing." incredibly important there is just God says love it's about love and if, if you can be so talented you can be so knowledgeable you can do all these amazing things but if you don't have love then it's worthless like you're you're nothing and you've gained nothing so I think that's really important as we as we talk about love that 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 really is the crux um, of the gospel and, and of who God is, is love. And so that has to be really important to us. And then it goes on and it talks about what love looks like. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. 
What a beautiful description of love. As, as Micah was saying, we, we kind of get have all these different definitions of love. Um, and it's a very simple list, but it's kind of hard to do. Um, I, I think of, of being a mom, and, and so, so often I have so many opportunities throughout the day to teach my kids, you know, how do we act and how do we love people? And the, and the love is patient. And I'm like, oh, you have to wait. Don't interrupt. You know, you be patient. I say that over and over. Um, or Alyssa and Rachel are playing, and I'm like, oh, let's, let's think of our tone of voice. Let's be kind. You know, how do we speak to people? Um, love is Love is kind. Uh, with Alyssa, we're, we're, we're learning the difference between being confident and being boastful. So what does it mean to, to be boastful? And, and love does not boast. And that, that's kind of a hard, hard distinction um, to teach. Uh, love is not easily angered. That one's definitely Rachel. You know, you don't, you don't get to stomp your feet. You know, so, so how do you respond um, in love when things happen that aren't okay? Um, Love keeps no records of wrong. How often um, the girls get into a little fight and, and, and I ask what happened, and then here comes the big old long list, including all the things that happened yesterday and the day before. And, uh, and so we talk about how, well, let's, let's not think about what has happened in the past. What happened right now? Like, what do we need to solve um, right now? And as an adult, I'd like to think that I'm a lot better at love than my little girls, um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I am. I'm not sure adults in general are. Uh, when we talk about patience, that's that's difficult with people that are different than us. Or when we talk about not keeping records of wrongs, um, how often in my head can I list? Well, that person they did this and this and this and then they, did, you know, and, and you remember past things. Um, some of those things are are really challenging. Um, and sometimes it's easier than others. I think of the frantic mornings that I'm trying to get the kids out the door. And um, how, how do I show love? How do I be kind in those times? Um, how do I be patient in, in, on those frantic mornings? Or I think of at work when um, people say things they shouldn't say or, or something happens. And, and I've been wronged in some way. Um, how do I respond in love? And yet, still stand, you know, stand up for myself. And so, sometimes it's a little bit tricky. Um, but I know I'm called to love, and I know I'm called to love all people, all the time. And that's that's the part that's um, that's really challenging. That, that's really challenging. The last um, phrase in that really got me as I was reflecting this. Um, the first part of verse 8 says, love never fails. And I think of my life, um, have committed a long time ago to live a life of love, but I fail quite on a daily, regular basis. I fail to love. Um, and then being in relationship with people, be it friends, be it your spouse, be it your kids, um, I see others fail to love me in the right way sometimes. Um, and I think of, of, of situations where, where our, our feelings are hurt and we have to overcome those. Or sometimes um, people, or we, either way, fail in big ways and it, it impacts our whole life because um, we've, we've failed to love. So, so what does it mean then that love never fails? 
Um, can I really trust that? And I like the passage that Micah um, brought up earlier and said um, in John that God is love. That God is love. So love never fails. That God never fails. And that God's love for us never fails. Um, that God never fails to love us. And that really adds a whole different dimension to that that conversation of, of what is this love that never fails. Um, I loved uh, well, Micah, the, the other verse Micah read that, that said that nothing can separate us from the love of God. The song that we sing, that God's love is extravagant. And for me, as I, as I think of my shortcomings and other people's shortcomings and just living this life, trying to live a life of love, and it's sometimes easy and sometimes hard, um, I come back to this idea that God is love, God never fails, God's love never fails, and so I can be secure in that. I can rest secure in that. I can be anchored down um, to that. And the beauty about God's love, or one of the beauties about God's love, is that he loves us wherever we're at. Um, he loves us however, however we are. Um, he loves the beautiful parts of us, and he loves... Um, the not-so-beautiful parts of us. God just loves us unconditionally with our mess and with everything um, that's going on around us. And, and God promises the Holy Spirit to those who, who believe in him. And, and I find this interesting. I think it ties in because um, later on in Galatians, uh, God talks about the, um, the fruits of the Spirit. Um, what, what are the things that the Holy Spirit produces in us? And the very first one is love. Hmm. And so um, I feel like one of the, the, the biggest works of the Spirit in me is that God wants to produce in me and in all of us a greater capacity to love and to love in the way that he loves, to be able to love people um, without fail, to always be kind and patient and not easily angered. And, and as humans, we don't have that capacity to love like God does right now. And so through his Holy Spirit and him dwelling in us, then he grows that capacity to love. And I just find that beautiful because I've tried, you know, and I always fail. And so to know that it is a work that as I open up myself to God, that is a work that the Holy Spirit and God continually does in me that grows my capacity to love. And so two big things, you know, that really stand out to me in this passage that spoke to me quite a bit as I was thinking about it is one, God loves us deeply. Um, and he loves us with a love that is unlike our love. And to, to make that distinction is very important in my mind because God's love never fails, and he loves me all the time, no matter what is going on in my life. And then the second thing that really stands out to me is that it, God is working in me, God is working in us to grow our capacity to love so that we can live a life of love and show his love to those around us. Very nice. What a beautiful passage. You know, one of the questions um, I, I always like to ask when I'm uh, engaging a text and considering what's in here, um, what kind of world would this create? 
I think it's a beautiful question to ask of Scripture when, when we see these messages and these things. What kind of world would this text create? And as, we've, and as we've looked through Scripture on the subject of love, I just imagine what could the world look like if um, having been loved and, and the gift of the Spirit in our lives gives us greater capacity to love the world around us, what kind of world could that create? How could the Tri-Cities look different? How could the world look different? Should we truly accept the love that God has given and, uh, and make it an act of the will, a goal to be more submissive to the Spirit to allow us to love more in the world around us? You know, this 1 Corinthians 13 passage that's so beautiful, uh, often it's used in weddings. I use it in weddings. It might have been used in your wedding. Um, and yet, uh, I, I want to make it a point today to say that uh, the context of love does not solely reside within a marriage relationship. In fact, I want to I maybe go even a little bit further and say that culturally, the, the fact that we have defined love in the context of marriage relationship and speak of it in terms of falling in and falling out of love maybe is really a disservice to us. In fact, today's message, uh, well, on Valentine's Day, we should absolutely apply it in our relationships. In fact, today's message and the message on love is far more general than that. It is that God loves each of us exactly who we are, and God invites each of us in the context of any and every relationship we're in, uh, that is with our spouse or with the clerk checking us out at the grocery store, God invites us to live lives of love. So, so we want to invite you this, this morning, and, and uh, before we pray, I just want to invite you to consider that God's love compels us to live lives of love. Uh, God's love and, and his grace in our lives broadens our capacity to love, and it invites us into a place in which we can operate in a different way in this world. We have opportunity to love, and in so doing, to know God more fully. I invite you to love this week. Prayer verse. Dear God, we just thank you so much for the love that you have shown us, Lord, and the love that you continue to show us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and how you've loved us enough to send him. Lord, we thank you for for all the implications of that, to be able to live a life of love and hope and to know your joy and your strength and your peace. Lord, we thank you for your love. And Lord, we rest in that knowledge that we are deeply loved and will always be deeply loved no matter what. Lord, we just thank you and we ask that you would work in us, that you would continue to work in us to grow our capacity to love those around us, to love our families and our friends, also our co-workers and those strangers that we meet. Lord, to love our enemies. Lord, that we would be so touched by your love that we would be living a lifestyle of love, Lord, that that would just be natural for us. And Lord, we ask you to do that work in us because we know that's not quite possible in in and of ourselves. Lord, we thank you so much. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. A couple things I want to be sure you're aware of uh, as we head out today. Um, uh, branches are, are kicking off. Those are small groups or missional communities. We're really excited to see those up and running. Um, uh, the Bush family is hosting one uh, tonight at your house, right? 
Um, and uh, Jacob and Christine and Justin and Kate are involved in that. Talk with the, one of them if you'd like to check that out. Um, there'll be another one meeting over at the Yoder's home this evening. Um, and then tomorrow night, uh, there's uh, the second half group is meeting over at Steve's house. Uh, so a few things coming up with those. I encourage you to have some conversations. Consider how maybe you can engage in that. Think about some people you might want to invite to that. The first uh, two questions we're asking as groups is, how is God calling us into service uh, in our community? Like, who is God inviting us to, um, to to help and to love and support in our community? And secondly, who are people of peace in our lives? Who are, who are people in our lives that God is God is working on, that God has been cultivating, that we can invite to be a part of these things? So I hope you'll join us tonight, maybe, as we uh, as we start those conversations as a group. Next week, I'll bring the, some of the leaders up, and we'll talk more about the vision that God is calling them to and, and inspire all of us to participate in that. Also, ladies, uh, uh, we bought a rose for you. Um, we want to we want to give you a rose on your way out and say that we love you deeply. Thanks for being here, guys. We did not buy roses for you, but you didn't want a rose anyways. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, if you haven't grabbed one already, grab a mug. Um, and then, uh, if you want to help share the word about what's happening here with people around you, there's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, we've got some just general invite cards that if you're ever talking to someone and say, hey, this is a place that I think you can find some peace and, and uh, um, so, some great things in life, feel free to, to hand a card to them. So take a few of those with you. And then there's also the window decals. If you want to get the word around town for us, um, put it on the back window of your car and, uh, and, and spread the word that way. Hey, that was a lot of announcements. But thank you for being here. We love you guys. I uh, hope you have a blessed week.